I was talking to a friend the other day and I'm like, we're scrunchy moms. Crunchy moms are the moms that are super healthy, pretty much make all of their own food, laundry detergent, very little screen time, all sorts of nature and everything. And I am a scrunchy mom where I make the stuff I can. We still do screen time. We don't hate Disney. Although why does a parent need to die in every movie? So it's like that happy middle of still doing some mainstream things while also doing lots of nature things. Welcome friends. You're listening to The Hook with Sarah Larson, a podcast that's curious about disruption and how it affects our personal lives, our careers, and the people around us. I'm your host, Sarah Larson, a business coach and serial entrepreneur, but also someone who truly enjoys deep conversations. Today's podcast guest is Tiffany Jackson. Tiffany describes herself as a scrunchy mom, one who blends aspects of crunchy parenting with mainstream living. She's also a CBD advocate for Green Compass and has an Etsy shop where she sells t-shirts bearing her original designs. During our conversation, Tiffany reflected on the challenges she faced growing up. She moved to different places, and she talked about the impact those experiences had on her life. She recounted the emotional turmoil of leaving friends behind and the difficulty of adapting to new environments. Tiffany's story serves as a reminder of the importance of resilience and the power of friendships. We also delved into Tiffany's health journey particularly her struggles with hormonal imbalances and her diagnosis of PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome. Tiffany shared her frustration with obtaining a clear diagnosis and the dismissal of her symptoms by some of her doctors. She discussed the importance of advocating for oneself and finding supportive healthcare professionals who listen, understand, and are willing to explore all the underlying factors. Throughout the episode, Tiffany candidly talked about her experiences with premature menopause, low hormone levels, and her quest for effective treatments. She also talked about the miracle baby that seems to have healed her hormonal issues. If you've listened to any of my episodes in the past couple of months, you've heard me invite you to my Breakfast Blend Plan With Me sessions on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern. These sessions have become so much more than planning. They are an opportunity for everyone to celebrate your wins, share what's coming up that you're excited about, and what challenges you're facing. The support and feedback is really powerful. Beyond that, it's a great place to network and find collaborations. So if you haven't already signed up, you can find the link to register in the show notes. Don't forget, this is a come-as-you-are event. We're leaving judgment at the door, so bedhead and PJs are welcome. Whether you're curious about starting a business, just beginning your journey as a business owner, or are a veteran entrepreneur, this podcast is an opportunity to learn from the experiences of my guests. I believe you'll appreciate Tiffany's journey of self-discovery and resilience and be inspired to take control of your own well-being. Keep listening after the conversation if you'd like some action steps that you can take to implement some of the ideas shared in today's episode. Let's begin. Welcome to The Hook with Sarah Larson. I am your host, Sarah Larson, and I'm really excited to introduce my guest, Tiffany Jackson. Welcome to the podcast. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah. um, So like Sarah said, I'm Tiffany Jackson. Um, I live in North Carolina. I am many things. (laughs) 
<laughs> I am a stay-at-home mom. I am a CV, CBD educator and advocate. Um, I have my own Etsy shop and I am working on becoming a human design reader and a life coach. So lots of different things, lots of layers. That's fantastic. I love it. Okay. Well, we're going to start to the beginning. We will get back to, to current day at some point in the conversation, but we're going to start with where did you grow up? Oh, so my, my dad worked for Motorola and every time he got a promotion, we moved. Um, I called myself a Motorola brat as a kid because we moved quite a bit. So I was born in um, San Francisco. We lived outside of San Francisco uh, for about six years. And then I moved to Chicago for a year and four months outside of Chicago, um, town called Crystal Lake. And no, there is no Camp Crystal Lake for anyone listening and likes the horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> my, my boyfriend was very disappointed when I told him there was no actual Camp Crystal Lake. We moved to San Diego for six years and then we moved back to Crystal Lake and I lived there until I went away to college. And then college, it was Missouri, uh, Cotty College in Nevada, Missouri. And if you ever go to Nevada, it is a small town and they are very specific on the pronunciation of that word. Cause when you see it, it sounds like Nevada. And it actually took me years to be able to say it correctly again. <laughs> then Virginia um, for to get my bachelor's degree. And now I'm in uh, North Carolina. Okay. Well, it sounds like with the moving around, and I love the Motorola brat versus, you know, the military brat. Um, it's interesting to me how many careers there are that involve a lot of travel, uh, not travel, but moving around for families. Um, somebody I just had a conversation with not too long ago also had a situation where they were moving a lot, but it was for oil. And I had no idea that there would be a need to move around for that. So your dad worked for Motorola? He worked for Motorola for, I think, 45 years. Oh, wow. Um, So he was friends with like the founder, the original person with Motorola and everything for when he first started. And then... um. He was forced into retirement like 45 years and okay. um, he retired. Then he started his own company. What was it like? I know for a lot of people, it's really hard to move as a kid and leave behind your friends and the things that you know. What was it like um, moving around that often? After a while, I started expecting it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the The first time there seems to be a lot more prep to it. Like we did a goodbye party for me. When we moved, like my parents let me like pick out a lot of stuff to decorate my bedroom and everything. Um, the second time we moved, I found out at school from a friend who overheard her mom talking to my mom. Oh no, not a good way to find out. No, and I was devastated because I finally like, had started fitting in and had friends and was excited about like all of the different weather and everything. Cause I mean, I'd lived in California before, um, granted it was more Northern California, but still. And, um, then we moved, oh man, that was, that was a rough day. Like my best friend at the time, she lived across the street from me and she was like, I'm never talking to you again. Cause you're moving. And I'm like, I'm wait, what? This isn't my fault. Right. <laughs> Um, 
but kids, you know, I was seven years old. I was no, we were, I was seven when I moved to Crystal Lake. And then I was like eight and a half when we moved again. Um, we lived in San Diego for six years and my parents had told me that they thought we were going to be moving. Um, but it was like four different options of where we would be moving. So I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. And like most of the situations were kind of crappy because we had just gotten back home from a trip to Hawaii and my parents were going to get a timeshare there. And I was supposed to have a day with just me and my dad. And I went like bounding into my parents' room, like it's going to be a daddy daughter day. And my dad wasn't there. Oh no. Um, He had found out that we were being transferred to Chicago and he was already at the office um, trying to figure out what in the world was going on. Um, And if, few months later we moved we'd sold the house pretty quickly but my mom wanted me to finish out the school year and and I went to year-round school so it was weird like schedule yeah Um, so we stayed in like I think we stayed at a hotel for a little bit and then they moved us but Motorola paid for that when they move families in the middle of the school year at least they used to pay for like an apartment or something like that so that way the kid could finish out the school year because transferring mid-year sucks. Right. What was it like? You were probably more cognizant of it for that move from San Diego to Chicago or back to Chicago because you because you were a little older, but also yeah. you were moving back to a place that you had been before. Were you able to pick up with the friends that you'd had there originally or was it like a totally new move? So I had two really good friends, one of which after we moved to San Diego, uh, she was in a car accident and she lost most of her memory. Um, She didn't remember me. Wow. It it sucked. Um, Yeah. And when we moved back to Chicago, like we all actually were going to the same high school together. So we moved back when I was in middle school. So it was eighth grade and then um, high school. And I remember senior year and I do not even remember her name but there was this one girl who was always I knew who she was but like we never talked because we were in two different things and I didn't ever be like hey I'm Tiffany your friend from second grade in retrospect I feel like things might have gone better had I done that but I, I didn't and she lost her mind when she found out who I was started bawling she was like, how, like talked about how devastated she was when I moved and like how much it had really affected her and how she had missed me like so much, like all of these years. And like, God. and she, like genuinely she had like picked on me for so long. And I just, <laughs> um, and like, she was hugging me and like one of the teachers like, Tiff, Tiff, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, no, we're, we're actually good. And he's like, okay. <laughs> wow how did she not know I mean it'd been six years it was it was weird because it's like I remembered who they were and um, my friend Tara like I had gone and talked to her because she and I were closer Tara was the one that had lost her memory so it's like I was trying to like help with the memory a little bit and um but my other friend she was just like I was always like yeah no I'm good I'm okay if you don't know who I am because 
I'm, I don't want to be a part of the group that bullies half the school. Like, I'm good. Did anything change when she knew who you were? Oh, yeah. No one bullied me anymore. No one picked on me. All of a sudden, I, like, had this giant protective bubble around me at all times. <laughs> um, it was yeah. like, I was, I was good. And that happened, I want to say, like, the beginning of senior year. Okay. And then, like, all of a sudden, and, like, she was like not on the in crowd but like the out crowd but like all of a sudden like football players started talking to me and I'm like I don't know what's happening but I'm I'm uncomfortable with this because y'all have been picking on me and I don't trust it oh no kidding <laughs> that was like the bullying crowd that she was part of were you did that change or just it changed for you at first it started out where it changed for just me. And then I am the type of person and I always have been where I'm just going to keep pointing out the shit. Good for you. It normally gets got me in a lot of trouble um, when I was younger. Cause I'm like, but you, what you're doing is dumb. Like you're not dumb, but that action, that is horrible. Yeah. It was a lot more blunt when I was younger. Um, and she got really defensive and I looked at her and I'm all like you trusted me when we were little and she's like more than anyone and I'm like okay my core hasn't changed and like she looked around and like she did this like 180 and it was really cool to see like how she changed I have no idea how she is now like what she's doing and everything I don't think we ever connected on Facebook how did you lose touch with her then with like you went off to college and went your separate ways and then lost touch or what we didn't really hang out with the same friends um in, okay. in high school I was rebellious and did not have the friends that were like the safe friends like I thought I could save everyone in the world I could not <laughs> but I thought I could and so I did not have the best of uh friends then and when I say that I mean like I have a good chunk that when I went away to college like they were in jail and then later on in life, like they died, like not great friends. So you went to Nevada, is that the correct pronunciation? Yep. Missouri to yeah. school and then to Virginia. What school did you go to in Virginia? Collins University. So both of them are actually all women's colleges. Okay. Um, I would 100% recommend Cotty College in Nevada, Missouri. Um, and if people want to go to an all women's college, I could probably help with scholarships um but I don't recommend Holland's University they sold me on how much of a better college they were and my plan was to go into um photojournalism I wanted to work for newspapers and magazines and when I got there that wasn't a major so I was trying to make that a major with their sister college um that was there and I did everything that I thought I was that like was needed and everything and then my advisor was like eh, yeah no I'm not feeling this so we're not we're not going to approve this so what was the was it were you recruited to come to this college what was the transition why why was the transition so Cotty College at the time was a two-year school where you got your um, okay. so it's you know you went away to school you were in a dorm um and lived there for two years got your associate's degree and it was kind of like and it was a small school max mm -hmm. like 360 students was their cap I knew all my teachers I knew everyone um knew all of the students I knew yeah I was very active at that school too um so they had women's colleges come to recruit from Cotty to go 
because we've already been to women's a women's college like so we know if we like it or not we know if we want to go to like a really big co-ed school if we're like yeah actually no we're good with this um and they were telling me how much of an amazing photography program they had and they sold me I applied I never visited which is another thing I would never recommend always visit the college <laughs> um and I got in and I was so excited and I thought I was going to be able to major in photojournalism and I wasn't. And by the time I had that figured out and they had denied it and everything, um, I would lose too many credits to transfer to a third college. Sure. So I took it out to um, get my bachelor's degree and I have a degree in uh, photography and history. I know that you started having some health problems mm -hmm. and that started a little earlier. What, how does that fit into your journey? Oh, that's a layered question. All right, Sarah. Uh, I figure Tiffany, I will let you, you know, tell what parts of it you want, or, you know, you can yeah. tell as much or as little. Um, I'm pretty open about my health journey. Actually, I talk about it quite a bit and I talk about it because I learned more about what I was going through because of people I watched on YouTube. Um, so when I was 16, I my period went away for nine months. And at the time I was still a virgin. So I wasn't really, I wasn't like, oh no, I'm pregnant. It was like, what the hell is wrong? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? Um, my doctors didn't really do any tests or anything. They just put me on some pill to jumpstart my period. And then they put me on birth control to keep it regulated. That was their um, solution was to just put me on birth control. That'll regulate my period and I'd be fine. Um, and for a while it was. And then when I went into college, I switched to the shot because I knew I wasn't going to remember to take the pill every day because I wasn't really great at it when I was at home and my mom was reminding me to take all of my pills. Gotcha. <laughs> we switched to the shot and my mom um, is now retired, but was a nurse. And so like I would go home and she'd give me the shot or, well, I would go to her hospital where she worked in ICU and I would ask someone else to give me the shot because I genuinely, most of the time, I felt like my mom was mad at me and she'd stab me with the needle. So I'm like, I'm going to have someone else do it. <laughs> I don't know why I had this fear of my mom giving me a shot, but it, there was a fear there. Um, when I switched to uh, Holland's University, I met my ex-husband and his mom worked at an OB's office and I was switching back over to the pill because I was having some like bad reactions to the shot and then she switched me his mom switched me over to Yaz because that was like the new pill at the time that pill triggered um my PCOS polycystic ovarian syndrome to like really come out in force so that started with um like painful sex really painful like bleeding when you're not supposed to be bleeding um and to the point where I was just all, like telling him like he thought he was breaking me and I'm all like it's fine I can breathe through the pain just keep coming like it was not oh my gosh <laughs> so the things we do for sex right right <laughs> just keep going like, you're bleeding it's fine <laughs> PSA, no one say it's fine. Stop and go get go see a doctor and I'll give more information on what to check for for that one. Okay. 
Wow. Fine. <laughs> um, yes. So, FYI, <laughs> sex should not be painful unless you're trying to make it painful. Right? Unless that's your goal. It should not be painful. Right. <laughs> um, so my doctor then diagnosed me with polycystic ovarian syndrome, which pretty much still to this day, like anytime you look at it, most times you're not going to get information from your doctor. You're going to get information from women who have gone through the shit, figured out what works best for them and is now teaching other women. Yeah. Um, it's the least studied, but it's one of the most prevalent things women are diagnosed with now. Yeah. And there's varying symptoms. Um, mine was more like hormone levels and everything. Um, but it wasn't, there's a lot of people that have PCOS that really struggle with weight that weight and really struggle with um like over hair growth and everything my um ex-husband's mom was like I've seen women with PCOS you don't have PCOS go get checked again I'm like oh okay I got checked by three different doctors and they all said the same thing she still didn't believe them but at that point I'm like yeah you're not a doctor I'm okay with the yeah. third time is a charm of, hey, guess what? There's nothing we can do to help you, but this is what you have. Okay. Um, and they told me that it would be hard to have kids, um, that periods would be painful, which they already were. So I'm like, well, that's not new. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then as time went by, um, I, it took me six years after that to find out that I had um, premature early menopause. And the symptoms of that started out being, I was really tired. Um, I had like zero energy. I, understanding energetics now, it makes so much more sense. <laughs> I had zero energy. My doctor thought I was depressed and I had ADHD. Um, one, I have ADD, not ADHD. And I wasn't depressed, like genuinely when I had the energy to do things, I was having fun. Um, I enjoyed what I was doing, but I didn't have the energy. Like I was taking naps in between meetings for work. Like I'd have a conference call and then I'd have like an hour long break and I had to take a nap because otherwise I wouldn't, I'd fall asleep during the next meeting was how bad my energy levels were. So my doctor put me on one ADD medication. I was on three different ones and then an antidepressant. And when I was on the ADD medication, holy crap, could I hope hyper-focus. I got like five months of work done in a week. Like it was scary the amount of hyper-focus I was on. Um, but I was still having the tired issues, just not as much. Um, I still was having trouble focusing. And then there was a third that came in, um, which was I felt tipsy when I was sober. I just 24-7 felt tipsy. To the point where in the evenings, I would, my ex-husband told me that I would, he, he thought I was turning into an alcoholic, but I was drinking. So there was a reason why I felt tipsy. <laughs> I was trying to normalize it. Never heard of menopause making you feel tipsy. So that's hormone levels. Okay. Um, like DHEA was really low. And so like the, I ended up finally finding a natural path doctor. The natural path doctor checked my hormone levels. Um, first, my period had to start. That was my period was not regular after switching over to the um, birth control pills. 
She's like, you have to be off birth control pills for us to be able to truly understand what your hormone levels are. I had to be off birth control for three months for it to fully come out of my system. And then we had to wait for my period to start again for us to know what day of my cycle I was on. So it was like a five month period of just waiting. And then we tested my hormone levels on day seven and then day 21. So um, day seven is your lowest level and day 21 is your highest level of your hormones. So if you have anyone who you think they might have hormone issues, those are the two days that are very important in order to check. Um, And I would recommend a natural path over a conventional doctor because a conventional doctor isn't even going to think to check these things. Yeah. Um, I remember coming into the office after she'd gotten the blood results back and she's like, all right, Tiffany, you have premature early menopause. I was 26. And I'm like, how the hell did, how did this happen? Um, and she said it was happening more and more often. A lot of it is, be- is happens earlier when you're put on um, birth control early. And I was put on birth control earlier. But I mean, like it was early in a sense. So air quoting early because I was 16, which is the typical age where people get put on birth control. Yeah. Um, And it was this like whole thing. And I'm like, okay, so now what? I have polycystic ovarian syndrome and premature early menopause. Now what? And she's like, now we put you on hormones. So the book that she told me to get, it's Sex, Lies, and Menopause. I read that book and in the back of the earlier editions it tells you what to do with like the hormones and I got put on bioidentical hormones and they were made at a compounding um, pharmacy so I had testosterone progesterone pregnenolone DHEA and estrogen wow all of them were low like detrimentally low which is why I was having so many issues so I think it was more than just premature menopause because like everything was just depleted and then I had to wait to start depending on like where my cycle was because you do the hormones to match your cycle so it's kind of it's basically like a wave so you start low you go up and then you go down and you and you just you learn the routine um I had had my cycle tracked down, like checking every single day. I knew what to do, what to take. I had the DHEA and estrogen went on my face. And then like, I had them like on my, like you had to put them in specific spots and everything and all of this stuff. And I was on all of that until um, I got pregnant with my daughter. And when I got pregnant with her, my doctors were like, I'm sorry, you're what naturally, huh? And I'm like, <laughs> same. <laughs> we wanted kids. Um, we were planning on having kids. 100% did not think this would happen naturally. Right. Um, and that's uh, with my partner now. He and I were planning um, like our life together and all of this stuff. And then we got pregnant with our daughter. And, and then I got taken off of everything except for the pregnant alone that I stayed on for my entire pregnancy. And they said, once you've had her stop, like when you go in for labor, you stop taking this. And then after you're done breastfeeding, unless something dips really low or you're feeling like some of this other symptoms, um, we're not going to put you on anything. 
And I'm like, okay. And they're like, we've been testing your hormones throughout your entire pregnancy. Everything is where it's supposed to be. And we don't know how it's happening, but it's happening. Oh, let me backtrack a bit. When I was 30, I also got diagnosed with um, hyperthyroidism. Okay. That does not go away. Um, And that, I was scared there was something wrong with my hormones because I was really tired all the time. I was really, really tired. And I have hypothyroidism in my family on both sides. So it's something I get checked anyway, but the doctors um, were only checking one level. So when you get your thyroid checked, you need to have your TSH, your TH4, and your TH3. And your, um, there's another one there. I would have to look up, but those are the ones you, you have to get all of them checked. Most doctors only check like the TH4, like that's the only one they check. That one can be okay, but the other two levels could be depleted. Um, so my doctors checked and they're like, we need to get you on like a lower dose thyroid medication. So I've been on, I'm, I'm still on my thyroid medication. Um, I am healed from my premature early menopause. I'm no longer on bioidentical hormones. My daughter, the miracle child, also healed my body. (laughs) She's three and a half now. There's always been this like underlying fear. And I've been working with my doctors pretty intently on like making sure everything's okay. Um, I see a natural path still. And they're like, Tiffany, you're good. Like, like, we've never seen someone who's gotten to this point and go back. Okay. It's like naturally the time. And I mean, like my period has gotten so incredibly like on point that it's cycled with the full moon. It's like, I'm like, well, this is new. Wow. Like never in my life had I have been that regular. Um, So it's, it's been a journey. Yeah. How did you feel when you were told that you were starting pre-menopause and you were told you couldn't have children or that you probably would not have children I was devastated I've always wanted kids always wanted multiple kids and um and Jonathan and I agreed to two because he's like if you have three they outnumber you so that's not okay (laughs) (laughs) we have one right now there are days where she outnumbers us I felt like the world had crumbled in around me because while yes, I knew what was wrong and yes, I had a way of starting to feel like I had energy and could focus and didn't need to take naps constantly. It was like my world was just gone. My ex-husband and I ended up getting a divorce because he found, come to find out he didn't want kids. So he was okay with the fact that I had all of these medical issues because he's like, okay. I won't have to tell her that I don't actually want kids. Right. Um, And I was like, we'll adopt. (laughs) And he's like, no, wait, I don't actually want kids. And it's like, wait, what? Oh no, that's a deal breaker for me. I want children. Yeah. Um, And now I have a child. (laughs) So. And an incredible miracle. That's awesome. Yeah, she is. A phenomenal spitfire, that one. (laughs) If you're like most small business owners, you've invested in one, or probably many, platforms to support your business. But maybe you aren't sure if they're doing what you want them to do, or you don't have the patience or the time to figure it out. You need to spend time doing what you do best, helping your current clients and attracting new ones. I can help. 
With my new program, The Audit, I'll take a look at your current processes and platforms, such as welcoming new subscribers to your email list, or onboarding new clients for coaching, courses, or memberships, automations that you can set and forget. I also perform audits on brick and mortar businesses from scheduling to order fulfillment to inventory. Let me save you time and money by reviewing your processes and platforms to find the most cost-effective and efficient way to automate processes that allow you to run your business without reinventing the wheel with every new product or offer. I'll provide a written report with recommendations for optimizing your current platforms, and if appropriate, offer options that would simplify the process or reduce your costs. And you'll have access to me for a month after the audit to ask questions during implementation. Click the link in the show notes to get started today. So you find out you can't have kids. Of course, that's devastating to you. What did you do to combat that? Um, well, first I got a divorce. <laughs> right. The man who didn't want to have kids. Right. That but I like the fact that you even like suggested that you adopt. Not everybody who can't have children wants to do that. Did you feel better thinking like, okay, there's still an option? Yeah, um, that was always like an option in the back of my head. Not having kids is not an option. It was never not an option for yeah. me. It was like, no matter what, I'm going to have a kid. So... I started out with a lot of grief because it was like a year and a half after I found out what was going on. We got a divorce. I moved to North Carolina. So you could be closer to your parents? Um, I moved in with my parents for about six months through okay. my divorce. Um, and then I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina to be close to my cousin because I knew I needed someone who would take me out of my comfort zone and like make me go out of the house, make me do things. There was a lot of grief in that. Um, yeah. A lot of grief in the idea of how life I thought was going to be. And my cousin kicked my ass quite a few times. <laughs> I had like all of these ideas of like how like my grandparents or our grandparents who passed away would be disappointed in me. And I, I genuinely, it was the only time where he looked like he was going to smack me upside the head. Wow. He was like, uh, no, ma'am. <laughs> um, so when I moved to where I am now in North Carolina, I found a new, um, new doctor, a new natural path and started working with them I started taking juice plus um because one of my friends from college from Cotty, um she was taking juice plus and she's like Tiffany I have so many people who have been taking this and have been able to have kids and have had the same exact issues that you have what um fuck it I'll try it yeah because juice plus genuinely is just fruits vegetables and berries like there's nothing else in it so I'm like I mean, if anything, worst case scenario, I get healthier. So I started doing that and I found out that I was allergic to gluten. So I went off of gluten and the inflammation in my body started to heal and get better. Um, I started running. Um, I was actually training to run two half marathons when we found out I was pregnant with um, our daughter. And I finished out running like that with my running group because um, I was a pacer for my running group for... Um, my running coach has a thing called run the burrow and it like 
400 people will come like each weekend to be a part of this event. And it's, and it's just a free event. And I was a pacer. And so I was the one like telling everybody where to go and all of that stuff. And at the end, one of my friends who was in the run group with me, um, she was like, what is wrong with you? And I'm all like, what are you talking about? And she's all like, you've had to pee at every gas station. It was like the second to last run. She's like, you've had to pee at every single gas station. You thought you were going to puke like three. And she's like, back time. She's like, wait, oh, you're pregnant. And I'm like, Shh. so you already knew at that point that you were pregnant. At that okay. point, and she I knew, figured it out. But, she, but I wasn't telling anybody because I was yeah. seriously terrified of, of losing the baby. And I'm all like, of anything until like we have like lots of confirmation um and she she like lost it and she's like oh my gosh and I was like <laughs> um she's, and then the next run that we did she's all like she's also a nurse and she's like you are going to be a walking pacer and you are not running in this <laughs> I'm like I can she's like no and my she went we, we went and talked to my, our running coach and um, he's like oh yeah no we actually needed a walking pacer and so I did the walking one for the last one um and that was like the last group run that I really did because then I was going into like if, when once I hit my second trimester it felt weird to run like, yeah sure. it felt weird and I'm like I I'm not okay with this <laughs> walking is fine running is not okay um uh I also but like with running so I was running with her I had a running coach I was working out either in the gym or running four times a week um and I started going to see a chiropractor so Jonathan I found a chiropractor to help him with his back and he was like they've said it's like you can do all this stuff and it helps heal like from your spine like once your spine is in alignment all of the nerves and everything are able to actually talk from your brain down to everything else and then your your body will function the way it's designed to function because the spine is in alignment and I'm like I mean that makes sense like yeah. I don't see why that wouldn't make sense and so we started seeing the chiropractor and I was going three times a week and after the first month um I got pregnant Wow. So for me, um, and I was on an insane amount of supplements. My doctors were checking all of my blood levels every three to six months to see if we need to change supplements, to see if we need to change my hormone levels or anything like that. So it was a team effort with my um, doctors, with the chiropractor and everything. And I still go to see that chiropractor. Um, okay. My daughter got adjusted two days after she was born because there is actual like birth is trauma. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> to the mom and the child it's just it is beautiful and traumatic yes, body yes. it's a whole thing um but the chiropractor came into the hospital and adjusted her and we've just been getting adjusted you know as needed since then to make sure that our my spine's in alignment and that um she's good um and I have gotten more and more healthy since having her. I've cut out an insane amount of stuff. I started when I was going through like the postpartum phase, which is theoretically air quoting um, four months, but I feel like it's the first year because um, you're in survival mode. Um, yeah. I mean, 
I talk about disruption. Some disruptions are things you choose and having a child is one of them. <laughs> no one knows what they're in for when they first have a child because it's yeah. just, you have an idea and then you have the child and it's like, oh shit. <sighs> yeah. Um, and I thought I was eating healthy, but I was foggy. I didn't have a lot of energy and I was really worried about my hormone levels. I worked with a friend who is a, um, holistic integrative nutritionist, I believe is her title. Um, and she created a whole meal plan with me. She had me fill out a 1000 question questionnaire about my health and like all of this weird shit. Cause I text her and I'm like, girl, why is it asking this question? And she's like, it's, <laughs> I promise. And I'm like, but is it? <laughs> like, why do you need to know about my poop? And she's like, it's important to your health. Like, trust me on this one. And she's right. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I have learned. So I have, I found out I was also allergic to corn. Um. So that's, that is 100% not an allergy I would recommend. <laughs> it's yeah, everything has corn in it. Yeah, finding stuff that doesn't have corn. Yeah. I've just been being like getting healthier and healthier and healthier. And I was talking to a friend the other day and I'm like, we're scrunchy moms. We're not crunchy moms. So crunchy moms are the moms that are super healthy, like pretty much make all of their own food, like even laundry detergent, all of this stuff, do very little screen time, all sorts of nature and everything. And I am a scrunchy mom where I make the stuff I can. Um, We're slowly getting out stuff we still do screen time we you know don't hate disney although we're not doing a lot of disney because on almost every disney movie a parent does <laughs> why disney why does a parent need to die in every movie like i, I get drama but that's just why <laughs> um and so it's like that happy middle of you know still doing some mainstream things while also yeah. lots of nature things like my daughter went to a forest school for the first year and a half um well not her first year and a half but she like started two um and school was literally in the woods for a year and a half she was in the woods and I was there with her in all weather and I learned how to dress myself and her I learned how to dress her first though was not beneficial for me because I was miserable and she was having a blast. <laughs> That's hilarious. I've heard you talk about the forest school before and I did not realize it was literally in a forest. I just assumed the name of the school was the forest school. 100% in the woods. Yeah. Um, we eventually moved up to drop off. And so I would drop her off at the playground and then the kids would walk into the woods and they'd play in the woods for four hours and then they'd come back out and they'd have, you know, their favorite stick that they'd done and like their walking sticks and they'd create all of these different amazing things and they'd have all these different treasures, which normally involved leaves, um, some kind of dirt painting, uh, acorns. And I'm, I'm here for it all because it was just getting her away from technology, getting her away from all of that stuff. Um, and the school that she's going into, oh, two weeks, dang. She's going to full-time school um, in two weeks. It's a full-time preschool that I'm really excited about it. They, like PE is going for a walk in the woods or going and working on a farm. And I'm like, hell yes. Oh, that's awesome. What a cool, what a cool thing. 
Like, I've never heard of these kinds of schools. How did you find them? Um, so it's a Quaker school. Quaker schools are amazing. They're incredibly inclusive, incredibly loving. Quakers are um, also pacifists. Uh, so it, I, I feel like they may have actually started gentle parenting, <laughs> which is okaying the feelings and saying like, hey, it's okay to be mad. It's okay to be upset. It is not okay to chuck a rock at mommy. <laughs> right. Like setting those firm boundaries and everything. Um, and that is 100% a conversation I've had with my child. <laughs> We're in nature a lot and there's rocks. Um, and you mentioned she's a spitfire. Yeah, she is. Uh, if you're into astrology, she's an Aquarius. She is a full Aquarius, sun, moon, and rising. So yeah, she's she's a spitfire and yeah. <laughs> All right. Wow. Well, um, I'm really impressed with the story of your journey of finding out, you know, you have this premenopausal diagnosis and then all of the steps that you took to get you to the point that you had a child on your own mm -hmm. without chemicals and injections and all of those things. And I think that's pretty incredible. Um, are you open to, you know, if people want to ask questions about that, are you open yeah. to that? So oh if anybody gosh, is yeah. listening and has questions about how you, you know, maybe you have had difficulties conceiving or or other things maybe um tiffany would be happy to chat with you about her experience there is no one size fits all on anything you know and with that same thought like i am open to talk about my experience i am open to help out in any way um shape or form that i can with resources and stuff i mean when i started this journey the only resource i had for pcos was in england and it was a online group um, and my best friend paid because it was like an, at the time for me, it was like an astronomical amount of money. Um, and she's like, you need support. She's like, you feel alone. And I did, like, I didn't know anyone else with PCOS. I didn't know anyone else with all of this stuff. And a lot of the things that was happening after I was diagnosed with PCOS, my doctors were just all like, oh, well, that's just PCOS and would brush it off and not dig deeper. Um, and so she, I think it's like the Daisy group or something. I think I saw the paperwork for it. Um, but she paid for me to be a part of this group for a year and everything was in the EU. It None of it was in the United States. So it's like, cool. So Europe is doing way more about this than of course they are. Like, of course they would be doing more about this than we are. Um, you know, there are so many more resources now than there were when I first started this journey. And like I said, I started talking about my health journey because I was, I was searching on YouTube for something and then I found this one woman who was talking about her PCOS journey and the supplements that she was taking and she started taking um like evening primrose oil and uh Vitex berry and I'm like the hell is that I've never heard of that so I emailed my doctor and I'm all like what the hell are these things and she sent me brands that she trusted and she's like you know what let's try it what's the worst that she's like the there's she's like these supplements there is no like 
it's going to end up badly if you take them for the wrong reasons. It's just, just right. take them as directed and keep on going with your life. And I'm like, okay. So I did. I added evening primrose oil and Vitex Berry um, to my supplement regimen, which was pretty extensive at the time. And, um, and it helped. It it's just, and it's like those weird things where it's like, well, I would have never thought that watching a YouTube video would actually really help me to, you know, figure out what's going on. The biggest thing for me though, is tell the doctor, I think you're well. Your voice is your most powerful tool. And if you feel in your gut that the doctor isn't doing enough, that's okay. That's not the right doctor for you. It's time yeah. to find and it is okay you're not doing enough for me. You're not digging in deeper. You're looking at the outer shell of the problem and you're not cracking through to see what's actually going on. So I'm at. It's really interesting because that has come up in other conversations that I've had where, um, in fact, one of my guests, uh, Jenna Barbu, who is, does gut health, she was talking about white coat syndrome. And it's the, it's the fear of talking back to a doctor. Like they are so respected that you expect that you don't think you can say, oh, no, I don't agree with that. Or I want to go deeper uh, because you just assume that they know what they're talking about. That's like the assumption that we've been brought up to believe they have a lot of general knowledge and they don't know everything. So we do need to learn to advocate for ourselves in those cases and find the right doctor. Yeah, I had a very bad experience with an endocrinologist. So thyroid doctor, um, I walked in and it was, I think I'd been married for like six months. And before I got married, I was going to the gym every single day because I was going to look amazing in the dress. I was going to have muscle tone. I was going to do all of these things. I was on the world's worst diet for your actual health. <laughs> right. And, um, I was in shape. Like I was still going to the gym. Um, I wasn't going every day, but I was going like three days a week. I was going to the gym. I was working out. I was eating what I thought was healthy. And, um, but I was tired and I was reaching for things that like, I thought would give me energy. Um, sometimes even that was like candy. Cause I was like, I just need sugar to give me a peak of energy so I can get this shit done. Yeah. Um, and he told me I was fat. Um, what? yeah. And that I needed to eat a 700 calorie diet. It's <laughs> just like this it's and this starvation. Yeah. It's old white man. I mean, 1200 calories is starvation, but 700, are you kidding me? Yeah, he had, this was the first time I actually spoke up for myself at a doctor's office because I was so appalled when he told me that. Um, and he had a student, a med student with him who was supposed to be learning from him and she was agreeing with him. And I looked at her and I'm like, dear God, do not treat your patients like this because this is unacceptable because one, I am not that. Right. Like, I work out nonstop. I am in the best shape I have been in in my entire life, which was not completely true because the diet I was eating was horrible. But, yeah. um, and I'm like, I am not fat. 
I am not eating a 700 calorie diet because that's unhealthy and you can't function on that. Right. right. And I'm like, and you also, and I'm like, I also don't feel like you did a thorough panel. And he looked at me and he's all like, well, you're not a specialist. And I'm like, well, you need to be re-educated. I am not paying for this visit because I'm not paying to come here to be insulted. I'm paying to help me. And you're not helping me. You're insulting me. And it's not okay. Genuinely, the first time I ever spoke up for myself. I oh, walked good for you. Wow. I, I was shaking when I left his office. I walked out of the room. I went up to the woman and she looked at me and she's all like, he made you angry. And I'm like, angry does not cover it. I will not be paying for this. Do not charge me because I will bring it up to the board. I will take this up. I'm like, I did not come to see this man who is supposed to be a thyroid specialist to be insulted on my weight. Right. And, and she just kind of looked at me and she's all like, you were never here. Well, thank you for sharing all of that with us, Tiffany. You really have um, been through a lot, but I'm thrilled to know that you've made it through um, a lot of that medical journey and know how to take care of yourself, know how to advocate for yourself, obviously, and have a wonderful daughter. Um, so that's really great. Where can people find you on the internet if they want to, to get in touch with you to ask questions or find out about the things that we didn't really talk too much about, your um, CBD education and your Etsy shop? Where where can we find you? Um, so you can find me on Instagram uh, at honestgreenmama. And I am on stories every day doing encouraging stuff, talking about using my life as a inspiration for um, inspiring others. I talk about CBD and how it can help, how it is legal in all 50 states because people get confused about hemp versus marijuana. And I work with hemp. Okay, <laughs> um, and then uh, also I have my... Oh, brain majestic design majestic grove designs etsy shop where i sell shirts of all different creations and everything uh and then i have a website that i will give to sarah to be able to check out all the other things that i've got going on fantastic i love it um and you know i almost feel like I need to have somebody on and, and maybe we'll do maybe we'll do a follow-up call i i do need to have somebody on to talk about CBD at some point. Um, I think that is something that we haven't really talked about and I would love more education on. So I would love that. It's okay. one of my most favorite things to talk about. I <laughs> I get really excited and really like just it it lights me up because it's just the cool hemp in general is the coolest plant ever and can be used in so many different ways from clothing to helping you feel better and more like homeostasis level. Um, it helped me with postpartum anxiety, um, which is something I didn't talk about with my own journey. Yeah. And um, it helps my daughter with her auditory sound sensitivity. She does not do well with sudden loud noises. Um, and CBD helps her with that. So yeah, I would love to come back on and talk about that. Fantastic, okay. Um, well, I will put all of that contact information for you in the show notes so that everybody can can find you. And thank you so much for being here today. 
I think that your story is extremely inspiring. And I know that a lot of people are going to get some good information from that. So thank you. And if anyone wants to reach out to me on um, Instagram, just DM me and say you heard the podcast here and you want to talk about the health journey. We appreciate having you here. Thank you. As promised, the following are some takeaways inspired by Tiffany's story. First, embrace your unique parenting style. Tiffany describes herself as a scrunchy mom who integrates mainstream practices with some elements of the crunchy mom lifestyle. It's a reminder that every parent has their own style, and as long as it works for you and your family, it's okay to do things your way. Second, advocate for your health. Tiffany's journey with PCOS and premature menopause highlights the importance of self-advocacy when it comes to your health. Don't be afraid to seek second opinions. Do your own research and find healthcare professionals who genuinely listen and take action to address your concerns. Maybe you should consider a naturopath or functional doctor who may take a more holistic approach with healing. Tiffany also mentioned the benefits that she has seen from CBD and Juice Plus. You can DM her on Instagram if you'd like to learn more about anything she mentioned. And third, a supportive community really matters. Tiffany emphasizes the power of finding supportive communities, whether it's through online groups, friends, or healthcare professionals. Having a solid support system can make a significant difference in navigating challenging health journeys and finding the resources you need. Thank you for listening. I know there are many podcasts you can spend your precious time with, and I'm grateful you came here today. You can connect with Tiffany on Instagram at Honest Green Mama. You can find me on social media at I am Sarah Larson or through my website, sarah-larson.com. That's Sarah with an H and Larson with an E. Links for both of us can be found in the show notes, including websites for Tiffany and the book she mentioned, Sex, Lies, and Menopause. The number one way that people find podcasts is through the recommendation of a friend. If you liked this episode, take a screenshot and send it to someone you think will enjoy it or share it on social media. Be sure to tag me so I can give you a shout out. A great way to say thank you is to leave a five-star rating, or even better, leave a review with your impressions of the podcast. My desire is that as many people as possible will be inspired by the stories shared here, and your support helps spread the word. Thank you, friends. See you next time.